Instagram, Facebook, Wikipedia, Spotify, email, advertisements, Messenger, Snapchat, News, Reddit, email, Instagram, DB, Candy Crush, Amazon, Pictures of Kittens. That's better. On this episode of The New Professor, we're talking about combating digital distractions. Hmm. I'm Dr. Ryan Strait, Assistant Professor of Educational Technology at the University of Arizona. And this is The New Professor. So why do we get distracted? This really just becomes an issue of knowing thine enemy, which is, more often than not, just you. Well, to be more precise, your brain. Well, to be even more precise, people who know how to hack your brain. See, we're hardwired to react to stimuli. It used to be the leaves rustling in the dark, and now it's a smartphone beeping at you. But as far as your brain chemistry is concerned, there's no difference. The real frenemy here is dopamine. It's that chemical that gets released when you feel love, a win at a card table, a really good workout, and specifically what's known as a dopamine loop. When there's an event on social media, especially, Johnny liked your Facebook photo, or Susie liked your Instagram post, for example, your brain pumps out a teeny bit of dopamine, and that feels really good, and you want more of it. That sounds pretty harmless, but I assure you, it's not. And I'm just as guilty of and susceptible to this as the next person. Even as I'm writing this episode, I'm checking email, Facebook, looking at Twitter, Instagram, and I know that I'm not alone in this. The problem is that people who like to make money know this, and they pay developers to write applications that can abuse this. And they are good at it. It makes you wonder why the folks at a lot of LMS companies don't actually latch on to this, but I digress. Distractions last longer than we think they do. We might think that we can instantly switch between one focus and another, but it's called task switching, and it actually raises stress levels. Now, there's a great episode of Note to Self in which Dr. Gloria Mark, an informatics professor at UC Irvine, explains that it takes 25 minutes to return your brain to its original focus area after being interrupted. Chemically speaking, your brain burns glucose as it's working. And that kind of task switching uses a lot of it. So allowing yourself to be distracted is quite literally burning through your reserves. And it's not just an issue in your office, though. One place distraction is now actually a legal issue is in the car. Here in Tucson, it's now a secondary offense 
to use your smartphone for anything other than a call while behind the wheel. In many places, it's a primary offense, meaning you can get pulled over simply for that. Though I'm a little bit hazy on how proof works on this one, but anyway. The Washington Post shared some research showing that even using hands-free systems in cars can keep drivers distracted for nearly half a minute. Now that means if you're sitting at a red light and you put your phone down when it turns green, you won't be completely cognitively back on track for, in a typical residential area, nearly a third of a mile. Needless to say, it's best to nip distractions in the bud before they get you into some real trouble. Granted, sitting at your desk and being distracted by Facebook is pretty unlikely to cause a road accident, but I think it underscores the nature of distraction pretty well. So why is it important to work on focus? Well, if you've heard of an author named Cal Newport and his book, Deep Work, you'll be familiar with some of this already, and I'm going to suggest some of the things that Cal mentions as well. First off, multitasking is a lie. Like Ron Swanson says, don't half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. One potential avenue for this is cognitive behavioral therapy, which has been shown to be effective and promising in helping with more of the pathological side of attention deficits. Now, if you don't know what cognitive behavioral therapy is, I'll give you the basic rundown real quick. Essentially, it's, according to the Beck Institute for Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, a time-sensitive, structured, present-oriented psychotherapy based on the cognitive model. That is, the way that individuals perceive a situation is more closely related to their reaction than the situation itself. Now, if you've heard of mindfulness, that's one way to go about it. And that's not to say that checking your Twitter feed is a pathology, per se. But it certainly can head in that direction if we allow it. So, let's talk about some tools that can help us prevent that from happening in the first place. Now, I like to call this putting on your digital blinders. There's a few ways to go about this, and the method that you choose is really determined by how masochistic you are and if there's anyone else that uses your computer or network. These are all tools and methods that I have personally used and can vouch for, at least in terms of their potential and effectiveness. So if you're just looking to gather some data about your time usage, try Rescue Time. Rescue Time is a bit of software that tracks what you're doing on your computer and for how long. You can set it up to begin tracking between certain times of the day, and even whitelist or ignore certain sites or programs. It doesn't just look at websites that you're visiting, it actually looks at the software you're using. It then provides you with some pretty detailed reports, and thus gives you an objective look at your actual time usage. Pretty handy if you want to see where all that time went, and spoiler alert, it is pictures of kittens. Now what if you just want to use your time better? Well, one method that worked for me back in grad school when I was working full-time and finishing my dissertation was the Pomodoro Technique. This is a productivity system in which you work in chunks, but, and this is really the key here, you need to focus on one specific thing during each chunk. The standard method goes 25 minutes work, 5 minute break, 
25 work, 5 break, 25 work, 5 break, a final 25 minute work, and then a longer break. Typically this is 20 minutes or so. And then you repeat. And folks typically track the number of pomodoros they've done in a particular day. And that can give them an idea of exactly how focused they were. So it's basically the productivity version of eating an elephant, which is to say, one bite at a time. Now, if you're looking at a way to do this timing automatically, you can use standalone apps on your computer or phone like Pomo To Do or Toggle. Incidentally, it's also a great way to remind yourself to get up, to rest your eyes, to stretch your legs, that sort of thing. And you'd be really surprised just how quickly those 25 minutes go when you really sit down and really dig in. And for some reason, chunking it up like that really seems to help. At least it helped me. Now, if you want to reel in your social media usage, or just time-wasting website visitation, but don't want to completely prevent it, you could try Productivity Owl, which is a Chrome extension, and I apologize, Mozilla users and others, this one is Chrome only. But it gives you a little bit of flexibility in terms of your internet usage. What do I mean by that? Well, the owl watches the amount of time that you spend on a site, say, Wikipedia. It gives you a window of time to find what you need. And if you overstay your welcome, it swoops in and closes the tab. So it's a little bit of the best of both worlds. If you just want to check something real quick, sure, go right ahead. Because sometimes you do need to actually find something out. And if you completely block, well, you're shut out from that. But if you stay on there for too long, you run out. But what if you do want to just block everything? You have a few options here. One, you could use Productivity Owl and just have really strict rules. But that doesn't stop you from opening another browser or an incognito tab and just circumventing that extension. Again, your own worst enemy. Now, you could take a list of offending sites and actually add DNS redirects into your host file. That way, when your computer looks for twitter.com, for example, it will actually redirect to itself, and you can't access the website. Problem is, neither can anybody else that uses your computer. So, maybe not the best option. Now, if you want to go bigger than that, if you want to go full network restriction, you can actually throw some rules into your router settings to block websites. Though, the way to do this varies by your router model, so you'll need to do some research on that trouble with this one is that it blocks not just everyone on your machine, but everything from every device on that network. So you might have an uprising on your hands if you do this with your family. So how about maybe just one simple thing that you can do? It's pretty universally acknowledged now that the easiest way to cut down on distractions, especially social media, is to just simply uninstall the apps from your phone. I tend to do this towards the end of every semester, and it is surprisingly effective. 
another pretty simple method I've used in the past is just to create a second account on your local machine, one that's dedicated to work. But again, this won't stop you from self-sabotage, but neither will most of the methods I mentioned. Even if you block things at the router level, you can still break out your phone and turn off your Wi-Fi. So at some point, digital blinders or not, it really comes down to just motivation and discipline. And you know, worse comes to worse, just print those articles you want to read, pack up the papers you need to grade, and head to a coffee shop with nothing but a pen and a highlighter. It's worked for me. Now, if you're interested in something a bit more organized, check out Time Well Spent, a self-described nonprofit movement to reclaim our minds from the race for attention. And I'll put the link in the show notes. Oh, and before you get distracted, please make sure to head over to Stitcher, Google Play, or iTunes and subscribe. And please leave a review if you can. Oh, and tell your friends about the podcast. Word of mouth is absolutely what helps most. Next time, we'll be talking about online identity and anonymity versus the public face of the new professor and what all that means. See you then.